Thank you for downloading this documentary from RTE Radio 1. For more information, visit rte.ie forward slash doc on one. Today's a beautiful day. I mean, although it's a little bit breezy, um, it's, not, it's not raining, <laughs> which is quite amazing. A working man's club in Huddersfield is not a place where anybody would imagine their life to change, especially Elizabeth. 34, born and bred in London, but that's how it happened. There was a huge argument that ensued and, and from there on the whole family had been fragmented by what was to be a 36-year lie. The summer of 2006 was the first time we met Elizabeth on a beach in Ballyhigh, North Kerry. There is no truth in, there's like strands of truth We'd read an article in the Kerryman, the headline, English Woman Seeks Kerry Mother. Curious. We rang Elizabeth and arranged to meet on the beach. My first initial memory of any of this situation is being about four and playing on the steps of um, uh, a house in West London, Labrook Grove area. And I remember being on the steps and so I was there playing on my own because the kids had found something else to do. And it, all I remember, a very faint recollection of them saying, she's coming, she's coming. She'd been searching for two years, since that night, in an Irish working man's club in Huddersfield. Terence had died. He was Elizabeth's cousin, from the family up north in Huddersfield. Um, he, in a way, he was the head of um, the Garrigan family over here. So it was, it was a huge kind of like funeral, it was a huge wake. Typical Irish wake kind of, you know, the beer's flowing and the, the whiskies are flowing. This was Elizabeth's father's family, Mikey, Mikey Garrigan, from Longford. He had died a few years back himself. Years ago, Mikey had an affair with a black woman. No one knew her name. She was known as the black woman. The black woman got pregnant but didn't want the baby. Mikey and his wife Joyce raised the child, Elizabeth. So that's it really. That's, that's what explains my colour, my hair, why I was different from the other kids. Because they were all typical Irish kids. Here am I with my little afro. Really nothing like any of them. Nothing like any of them, just nothing in common. Elizabeth stood in the middle of it all, a single black face among a gathering of the pale and pasty Irish. An Irish chap um, who'd flown over, especially for the funeral, had had far too many to drink. Um, it turned out he, he was a, a really good friend of Michael's. She remembers him singing with Mikey years ago. He had a good voice. She hadn't seen him in over a decade. An old man, grey hair and a big belly, he wagged his finger. But he kept kind of like um, shaking his finger at me, kind of looking at me and smiling, shaking his finger. He sat down beside Elizabeth. He was already drunk. He was mumbling that he knew Mikey and like Michael um, and how they used to have a great laugh and everything else. And, and then he said, you know, you look, you look like your mum. And it was kind of like, what? <laughs> I was looking at Joyce, I really don't look like Joyce, no. No, not Joyce, he said. He leaned forward, still wagging the finger. You are, you look so like your mother. And then for the first time she heard the name. Oh, you look like, you look so like Mary, your mother, Mary. 
he's got my attention now and I said what about Marie you know um, and it just went from there what what about Marie what are you talking about you know a female relative overheard the conversation she shook her head and said what's he on about now don't mind him at all fresh air is what he needs the woman got the old man to his feet and brought him outside Elizabeth never saw him again and that was it and I just you know I left it there and then well, I don't really know why, but maybe it, maybe it was just best, I don't know. But I left it there and then, but I certainly registered it. Because how would this man know about my mother? Although he was drunk and could barely stand, he was right. He was the first person to say it to Elizabeth. Her mother's name, Mary. The name on her birth cert. As far as I know, no one would know what my mother would look like. Because of the, at that time, the stories I'd been told... Um, Amongst which, obviously, I mean, you know, there's this thing that she she went missing when I was a baby. So how would this man who lives in Ireland, who hasn't seen Michael for so many years, all of a sudden know what Marie looks like or that I look like Marie? It did. It certainly made an impact on me because it, it's it's that exchange with him that prompted me to ask questions. And it's like, well, how does this man know about my mother? Elizabeth grew up in the East End of London. There were four in the house, Mikey, her father, Joyce, his wife, and Keith, her half-brother. Joyce reared Elizabeth. She's in her 70s. We meet her in Barking. The market is on. We walk to a park. We don't say much. We find a bench. Since Huddersfield, it's been all questions, questions, questions. She gets so... I don't know. uh, At one time, she used to shout and scream down the phone as though it was my fault. As though I'd done something wrong. And to me, all I've ever done is is loved her. So, I don't know. And what would she be screaming on the phone? What would she be saying? You told me lies and this and that and he wasn't my dad and you said he was my dad. The more Elizabeth learned, the more questions. Why did you lie to me? Why did you tell her all those stories and more recently new questions from Elizabeth? Accusations. Did you snatch me as a baby? Did you rob a baby? All this talk about I ran off with Elizabeth. I mean, social services knew where I lived. I've lived in two houses since I left Lab Grove. Social services know me. Education know me. So how can I run off with a child? What a load of baloney. I mean, it, 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 it just don't make sense what, was, what she'd been told. It don't. Don't make sense at all. Oh, I nicked her. How can I nick a child? Keith, we meet the next day. Another park up the road. He's confused. He doesn't know what to think. You know it's his mum, he says. But Elizabeth is also saying things. But I'm going to answer that because of Lizzie. No other reason, all right? 
up to sad me man. I would never to think that she could do that. So and that's for Lizzie that hunts and no one else. As we sit on benches in the littered parks of the East End of London, we go back to the beginning of this story. The birth of Elizabeth and how the little black girl became a Garrigan and the beginning of all the secrets and lies. I mean, because as far as I was aware, my dad was her dad. See? At worst, she was caught, and I didn't even think of it. She was Lizzie. Uh, she's always been there. And then all of a sudden we got told she was my dad's daughter by him messing about. And that's the thing. So for years I didn't dispute what I was being told. The father, Michael, who, who we live with, was my my dad, my biological dad, the Irishman. Um, so by virtue, I believe that Keith was my half brother. I believe that I was a product of an affair he had, although he was with with Joyce at the time and that the woman that he had an affair with um, was mixed race. So that's it really, that's, that's what explains my colour, my hair, why I was different from the other kids. Elizabeth knew it was unusual. It made for an unusual dinner table. The working class Irish family and their little black child. I don't know, because like, we had both different relationships. Lizzie was tight to me dad. I was tight to me mum. Lizzie couldn't talk to me mum. I could. Um, well, I didn't know like it was unusual because it was, like it was, you know I mean, I just knew I didn't really get on with my old man. Uh, in my late teens, I got jumped. He he, he, he showed me what I I presume what his, his idea of love was. Um, he went into the pub where I got jumped with a walking stick in one hand and a razor in the other. And, and to this day, I've never forgot that. Now, he could never ever say to me, loves you or show me any affection. But at that particular time, he showed me. I'm like, that's what I took it as. But that was the one and only. Other than that, like, we couldn't be in the same room for more than 10 minutes without one of us like, Ugh. And did Joyce ever show anything like that? Or? Uh, well, she would intervene on his behalf. She'd tell me if like, I'll stand up to him, she'd be the one who stabbed me. So. She was the one what? She'd be the one who stabbed me. Like when me and him were like, I mean, but that's typical teenager, I mean, we'll come outside, like, I'll fight you, you want to mm. fight, I'll fight you. Like, you, you dare step towards that door and I'll stab you. And she'd, well, she'd have a knife, would she? Even well, no, whether she did or she didn't, you yeah. know, like, mm. if I went towards that door, I would have had a blade in me. So. Was she a tough lady, Joyce? Yeah. Like how tough or why do you think she was tough? Well, she'd lay blokes out. I mean, she'd fight anybody in her younger days, so... It was her always used to kick me out to have the fights with the six and seven kids at a time. Oh, man. Take a baseball bat. And mum's like, no, you go out and you fight but she accepted the stories she was told. The stories of Mikey and his affair. The death of her birth mother. She never questioned. Why would you? The one event what sticks out 
outside my mum's as it was. Someone referred to Lizzie as a little black and I went, no she ain't, she's like olive skin, like I was saying. And this kid kind of like said, you know, I think he might have called me Wog or something, you know. It's like, I'm not black. So he was like, golly, God. whatever it was he was saying, he was, he was teasing me. And then Sally came over and she said, she's not black, her brother's Keith, Keith Garrigan. And then Keith came out. And then Keith, being Keith, didn't know what to do. You know, so he went back in to tell his dad um, that they're calling me Gollywog and Nignog or whatever else they were calling me. And they called him back in. And then they told him that actually she, she is black. But from that day, I kind of just knew actually there is something going on. But could I question it? There was no way I could question it. You know, you're, you're a kid. What, what do you know? How, who was I going to question? Was I going to question my dad? I've seen my dad, you know, I've seen his temper. I've seen what he's capable of. Or am I going to question Joyce? Mm -mm, that's not going to happen. And it's all come about since my husband died. You know, it, it, which is a good thing, really, because if he was alive, it'd break his heart. It would. Because he was always so proud of her. I mean, any, anything we could give her, she had, and more. I mean, when, when she needed money, it was, uh, I used to go out of my way to get loans and, and cash to me insurances to make sure she had what she wanted and what she needed. So, you know, but I don't know who put it in her mind that uh, I was supposed to have nicked her, but that is stupid. Elizabeth drove back from Huddersfield to London. It was a long drive. How could that guy have met my mother? It doesn't make sense, Elizabeth thought. The old man knew her mother's maiden name, the name that was on her birth cert. She talked to Joyce, nothing. But everything in her life was soon to unravel, dramatically. I confronted her with the Marie thing, and it's kind of like, you know, he doesn't know what he's talking about, don't I? You know, blah, whatever else she said. Um, and I said, why is she not telling me? Um, what does she know about my mum? And it wasn't really that all that confrontational, to be honest. It was a chat. But I got annoyed because straight away she tried to shut the door on me. Like, just emotionally shut the door. Why are you bringing this up now? Why are you talking as if I have no right to talk about these things? And I pointed out to her, actually, I've got the right to bring it up because this is, a, in, in essence, my existence. We're talking about me here. Does she not think that it would be important to me to know these things. 
clearly from that initial conversation I wasn't going to get anything from her went away and it was kind of like who can I who can I go to before moving to the east end Ladbrook Grove is where the Garrigans had lived it was their patch all their friends and family lived there they were West Londoners they moved to East London when Elizabeth was not even two Elizabeth didn't know it but Ladbrook Grove is where Mary had lived we are at the end of Labrook Crescent, Labrook Grove, um, probably standing on the spot of the Labrook Grove pub. Yeah, this is where um, I was told that I was snatched, as they put it, yeah. Um, so it's quite an emotional place, really. Um, Ladbrook Grove is now a trendy part of London, cafes and gastropubs. Um, Back in the late just, 60s, um, it was the home of the poor, usually Jamaican or Irish. It was one of those places that was a starting point for the newly arrived. Straight off the boat, straight to Ladbrook Grove. Um, that was Camelford Road, um, where um, it said that my mother lived, um, as well as Joyce, the woman I, I grew up with, she lived there too, and Bridie Matthews and Maggie O'Shannon and whatnot. Elizabeth went door to door in Ladbrook Grove. I'd be surprised if this is the one. Are they at the window? Huh? Hello. Um, could I... Um, my name's Liz. Oh, yeah. Yeah, could I just have a quick word with you? Sorry? Um, I just wondered if you was living round here in 1967. Oh, okay, that's okay. a bit different, yeah. Yeah, was you living around here in 1967? Six, yes. You was? Yes. Uh, was you living in this flat then? Always in here. Was you? Yes. All right. Um, I just want—I just wanted to ask a few questions. Um, I was born around this area, um, but something unfortunate happened to me. She um, called into two women she remembered from her childhood, Auntie Bridie and Auntie Maggie. They were not real aunties, not family. Close friends who had visited the Garrigans in the East End. Maggie O'Shea lived in a flat underneath the Garrigans for years. Maggie died a few years back. We never got to meet her. Bridie and Maggie knew the Garrigans for years and knew Marie. Things were coming together. Everybody knew it was Maria's baby, you know. That's why she moved, you know. Everybody Nearly, we were kind of a crowd down there then, you know, very close street. Everybody knew everybody's business. And we knew Liz wasn't hers, you know. So would, you, would you have said... As Bridie and Maggie talked, a story began to emerge. It's very sad. I mean, it's your whole childhood is missing, isn't it? Well, the truth of who I am, yeah. Yeah, you've lost yeah. childhood. Yeah. You know, it's like you've been kidnapped, really, isn't it? Mm. That's how it feels, yeah. And Marie O'Halloran was her mother. Marie was Irish. They remembered that clearly. Well, she was a, about, about your size, mm. Maybe, you know. She was stouter, you know. She was, I'd say she was, she was more Nancy's type. She was exactly, you know what Nancy looked like, yeah. don't you? Yeah, do, well, you yeah. can describe what Nancy yeah. likes. Yeah. And she had fairish hair, she wasn't blonde, she was fair. Her father was not Mikey, 
Bridie and Maggie said. How could it be? Two Irish people making a black baby? No, 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 they said. Your father is a guy called Melvin, a Jamaican fella. Him and Marie used to go out. Joyce was her babysitter. What do you mean? Well, she said Joyce was looking after the babies, she said. And Marie was supposed to be paying her. And she said she hadn't turned up for two weeks. There was talk of a woman crying, her baby having been taken. I was working in the pub at the corner, you know. And the pub was between her and Joyce. The pub, you come out of the pub, you turn the corner and into Joyce's place. And I was on the way home and she was coming up against me, you know, and she was terrible today. And I said, are you all right, love? And she said, they won't give me my baby, you know. I'd never seen her before, you know. Tis only next day when I said to Maggie, there was a woman, last night I met her, I said, and she was crying about her baby, and, Joyce, and Maggie turned around and said, of course she was. Joyce got her baby. So it was Marie who was crying. There was talk of fights between Joyce and Marie, a story of Marie being chased with a broom. And I said, to Joyce, it's me you're talking to. I know exactly what happened. And she said, no, no. I said, listen, I said, I said something about, you know, you're half class, you know. Yeah. Half, so she said, oh, you should see Mikey's other children. They're all dark. They're you know. not. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, she, she really, I think she really believed, you know. She's had you. But I've heard you talk in the pub, you know. It, it made me think that, you know, she believes herself that she had the child. Because she keeps telling people what bad labour she was in when she was carrying her, you know. And the time she had, uh, well, she was having her. I just used to get up and walk away because I know the truth, you know. So that's as far as, you know, it goes, really. Marie had disappeared. There are no clues, no leads, no sightings. But there was other news. Maggie Maggie has lots of contacts in and around here. She's been here for years. She knows a lot of people. Next thing was, she rang me the next day. I was living in Hastings, she said, come to, come to me, come to me now, and that's how she used to work, you know. And I got to her and she said, this is, this is the address where he's living now. And then she said, and she said, I'll tell you how I remember him, he was a light-skinned black fella and he used to come into your mum into the calf and they used to sit and have a cup of coffee, your mum used to give him money. And she said, but you'll find him at that address. And it was Valentine's Day. Um, I was sitting in Hastings and I thought I've got to go and I've got to go and knock and get it over and done with. Um, I just knocked at the door and he opened the door and he looked at me. I mean, nothing like what I imagined. Melvin Blake McCook. And I'm thinking, in my mind, although Maggie had already said to me, your dad was a light-skinned black fella, I still had the impression that Melvin Blake McCook... No, my dad's white. Not to the door, and this black guy answers the, answers the door, standing quite high because he's on a high step. This little child po- poking her head round the side of him. And uh, I, I said, is your name Melvin? And he's looked at me and he laughed. And he's kind of like, and I was thinking, what's he laughing at, you know? And, and, and I said, are you Melvin? I think you might have known my mum. And he said, I think I might have known your mum as well. Melvin McCook. (laughs) We drove around West London for a day with Melvin. 
He still lives in the area. He admits he is Elizabeth's birth father. He stops the car and shows us the flats he used to live in with Marie, places from his past. He talks about meeting Marie. I met her in um, Blenheim Crescent. She was, um, I, th I think, Moria. <laughs> she actually ran away from Ireland, really, you know, because I met her at the junction. Yeah, of I met Mori um, Labo Grove at the junction of Blenheim Crescent. Um, Labo Grove. Yeah. Blenheim Crescent. <laughs> it was uh, like turning about, I would say about three, four o'clock in the evening. That's where I met her. And um, that's where we, um, our relationship started, really. At the time um, when I met her, she seemed as if um, she didn't have anywhere like I lived. She wasn't dirty, and she didn't look angry, but I think she was like staying with friends. She didn't have anywhere for one to live. Ask her um, her name, um, where she was staying, what you're doing in the area, blah, blah, blah. And we got talking from there. Mm. It's a long time, isn't it? He talks about meeting Marie. He talks about their relationship. He gave us very little. Yeah, because <laughs> she's she was a bit withdrawn, very passive, very um, sort of a quiet, passive, quiet. Yeah. Um, yeah, not not very assertive, you know. Um, so from that point, I think she'd be very vulnerable um, in the sense that unless she's going to meet somebody that um, will look after her. And if she doesn't, if she's a woman on her own, then, you know, it's, there's a possibility that she's in a terrible state. It's not normal for somebody to to help you to help yourself. People always help you to dominate you. I put you in a spot where you becomes dependent on them. That's man's nature, you know, to control you. Right? <laughs> and as we sat there, he told different stories of why he left Marie. He told conflicting stories. It became plain that Melvin had walked out on Marie. Elizabeth had not yet been born. Melvin was young. No, never. He made a decision. Never. Never. Never saw her again. Ah, oh dear. It's mm. a long time. No, she came, as I said, the relationship was on and off. When she when she came by um, Talbot Road, but she told me, told me that she's pregnant. I don't know. 
Uh, I can't remember exactly what's went on, but I I didn't even know if um Elizabeth was a boy or a girl. I never know. From the time she disappeared, I never, I never, I never see the baby. I never know. I never know. I never know until um, Elizabeth came here. She was she was a grown woman. She came here because she asked around. I think she was inquiring, and there's a lot of people that used to see me and Maria, right? He provided no answers. How did Elizabeth become a Garrigan? Where is Marie? Where did she disappear to? What goes wrong come back round. I'm being haunted now. Because I missed um, um, knowing a little girl to grow up with a dad. I miss that magic. So that has haunted me. Elizabeth went back to Joyce, who admitted her mother was Marie. I never got in contact with her. She got in contact with me. Maria O'Hallran worked in a CAF um, in Blenheim Crescent but I didn't really know the woman. I was asked to look after the child and I said yes and she came the first couple of days after me looking after her and then she disappeared for days at a time and then it went weeks at a time. She thought Mikey might have had an affair with Marie. That's what she said. That's what she believed. We felt it as we sat beside her on the park bench. She talked of olive complexions, of blood groups. It was only when she was ill and we was at the hospital and they'd done a, um, a check, both their bloods, and they was the same blood group. And that's when she was about nine months old and from then on, I just believed she was Mike's daughter. Because Mike was, although he was Irish, I mean, even other people said he looked Oriental. <laughs> he, he looked more it Italian. He was dark, olivey complexion, black hair. And so, you know, there was no, and she's olivey complexion like mid-brown hair, so it, it didn't occur to me. It just, to me, to him, that was his daughter, end of. She was white and... Um, oh, she's white, she's Irish. And her, her Elizabeth is kind of mixed race. Yeah. So like, it, there, there would be kind of no way it could be your husband's or any way connected to your husband? Well, the thing is, my husband had a son and he's olivey complexion, he's got the curly hair, the same as Lizzie. So I just connected the two there and I think my husband didn't know. 
And why would you be saying that your husband had some sort of relationship with Elizabeth's mother? Or? A one night stand, he admitted it, and so did a lot of other people. I mean, my husband was a typical Irish fella. <laughs> no disrespect, but... So, to me, that was... Well, even before that, I mean, I loved her as a daughter, and but after that, I mean, as far as I, I was concerned, she was family and off. Joyce's story now changed. She now said Elizabeth had been adopted, papers had been signed and Marie had consented. Elizabeth went to the social services. We also talked to the social services in the Kensington area. There is not one piece of paper relating to Elizabeth being adopted. Is this unusual, we asked. It is very unusual. There should be some record of the adoption somewhere, they said. I'm known by everybody. I'm known by uh, placement people, Kensington Chelsea. I'm a registered foster mother through Kensington Chelsea. So how could I just nick a child? Impossible. Stupid, stupid, bad-minded, bad-mouthed people who are trying to put a wedge, but he hasn't worked. Because me and Lizzie are like that. And always will. The way I see this is Joyce took me against my mother's will and without the evidence to suggest that she should have had me, she's done it illegally. There is no evidence, so I think when social services confronted her with it and said from their perspective they believe her actions were illegal, then that's, that's the stance I, I, I believe in. Okay, And I also believe that she did do it against my mother's will. I mean, you can't argue with facts. Your name, your name's down. I mean, even when I went and registered at school with her, her name was put down as O'Hallman, known as Garrigan. That's how she was registered at school and everywhere else. Joyce was saying that she was brought up as Elizabeth O'Halloran, but... No, she wasn't. What was she brought up as? Elizabeth Garrigan. And she would have been known everywhere? As far as I know, yeah. Uh, you could ask Lizzie that question. Uh, as far as I'm aware, she went to school as known as Elizabeth Garrigan. Uh, she had a birth certificate with Elizabeth Garrigan on it. As far as I'm aware, Lizzie's 100%. Yeah. She went through school, Elizabeth Garrigan. I mean, different schools to me, but she went through schools as Elizabeth Garrigan. Only two people know what happened in Ladbroke Grove all those years back. Joyce and Marie. Was Elizabeth taken? Was there consent? Our people couldn't say to her, oh, your mum nicked you, uh, Joyce nicked you off your mum. That's stupid, stupid talk. It really is. And, you know, I, I just wish that you, or Someone else who, who Lizzie's been paying can come up with the goods to sort this out once and for all. For, for 
Liz's peace of mind and for my peace of mind. Because it's wicked what people have accused me of. I've never harmed or done anything to a child in my life. And for people to say that I nicked a child of her mother, that is stupid and wicked talk. And, you know, for anybody to believe that could be possible under the circumstances, I mean, <laughs> I just don't, can't understand it. And how, how Lizzie believed it, I don't know, in the first place. Anyway, I ain't got no more to say because I'm getting upset. Right? That summer, in 2006, we looked all over Kerry for Marie O'Halloran. That time in Kerry, the start, feels like the closest we came to finding Marie. The closest we came to finding the truth. And in Kerry, we were nowhere. Um, Ballyhike, sitting here actually, as, as, has come to symbolically mean, emotionally mean, that I'm the closest I've ever been to my mum. Um, it's the closest I've been to discovering the truth. Um, the closest I've ever been to being, um, I don't given the given the rights to be who I really am, rather than um, a whole shred of damaging, um, crucifying lies. If you've enjoyed this documentary, you might like to try other RTE Radio podcasts. Visit rte.ie forward slash radio forward slash podcast.